Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. We hope that you are doing great. It was an absolutely packed weekend of action in the city. Before we get to everything, though, since it is the first of the month, this episode is free for everybody. If you would like to gain access to all of our episodes, as well as our written work, post-match podcast reactions, you can go to patreon.com slash TIFP. Again, patreon.com slash TIFP. And that gives you access to our two weekly episodes, our review episode and our interview episode. And again, our written work, post-match reactions. So it's much more than just two episodes per week. So Carlo, Nima, let's get into everything. We're going to start with Roma-Milan. Okay, so Milan, they defeat Roma by a scoreline of 2-1. to one. There was some refereeing controversy. However, here's the thing. We can have a nuanced discussion here because you know what? One, more than one thing can be true. It doesn't have to be that Milan won simply because of the referee. could be that Roma lost because of poor play and the fact that the referee had a pretty big influence on the result. I don't think I'm being that controversial by saying that. Am I Nima? No, like you said, more than one thing can be true at the same time. I mean, first of all, Milan were fantastic. I thought that was they started the game from the get-go with a completely different aggression, with a completely different cohesive press. I really liked what, what Pioli did with moving Kessi a little further down the back. I like that he benched Captain Romagnoli, who shouldn't be the yes, captain for Tomori. Yes. I like that he freed up Tonali that way. To, who was very good. That was his best performance in a Milan shirt. Um, I thought in Milan created chance after chance after chance after chance and should probably been 3-0 up at half time. First Roma half an hour, was, they were incredible. Yeah, they were really, they were really, really good. Uh, Milan were, I mean, this, this, the Pioli high thing that we were asking last week, if it's over, well, no, it isn't. It's absolutely working. He's got these players following his lead and he's found a way to, 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 um, to, to, to address the issue of not having Benasser there, uh, who links up defense and midfield and doesn't leave this gaping hole uh, in, in the center of the pitch that, me, that uh, the Milan's opponents have been using. That, that, that was, Salamakers was, was very good. I did not, I'm not a big fan of his, but yesterday he, was, he showed why he has a role to play in this Milan. He cleans up so much for Chalanoglu. Um, Rebic was probably the man of the match, who um, was phenomenal. No, Milan were absolutely brilliant. Roma were woeful. That's not, you know, especially in the first half, Roma were awful. Uh, they, they were completely disjointed. They were, they were three separate teams in one. But let's not, let's not, you know, that's, that's all true. But the, the lack of penalty for me on Mikitarian, look, I don't, it's not about opinions. Open your eyes. Teo Hernandez has his arm wrapped around Mikitarian's leg. And he was That's the one not... whistled for the foul of Mikitarian. Yeah, I mean, I mean of all the decisions t- to make. I thought that Mikitarian's one was maybe more of a penalty than, than, than the first. Um, yeah, I than the first I one. But I, I, I don't think either of them were penalties. See, it comes back to the, the same discussion that, that we had. That we, well, consistent, yeah, but the same discussion that we had, I think maybe two or three weeks ago, where I was saying that I remember a time. 10, 15, 20 years ago, where to get a penalty, it wasn't just about contact. It was there had to be sufficient contact for there to be a penalty. Whereas nowadays, everybody seems to have an opinion, um, especially when it goes to VAR, that if there's any contact at all, it's a penalty. You hear people saying, oh, there was contact. It's a penalty. <laughs> there was contact. Look, there was contact. No, it's, that's not how it works. There has to be, it should be, there should be have to be sufficient contact. And I think with the first one with Calabria, um, that was the, definitely the case. That there, for me, there was contact, but there wasn't enough contact for it to, to warrant a penalty. And especially when you slow it down and you do it in slow motion, it always looks worse. It always looks a lot worse than it does in, in real time. Um, so 
for me, neither of them were penalties. The way I look at it is this. If one is a penalty, the other one is also a penalty. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, yeah, that's kind it's of how I feel. It's the consistency. Yeah, it's the consistency that will always bring this league down, that will always create these discussions. I think that if you're going to give one, you got to give the other. Um, and the second one is more of a penalty than the first one, if you ask me. Because, again, arm wrapped around leg, impeding player. Like, I mean, it's just... You know, I, I, you know, again, for me, I don't have a problem with either one being a penalty. It's the lack of consistency that pisses me off because it was a very good game. Uh, it was a good game between two teams that it was entertaining to watch for the for the for the neutrals. Milan were better than Roma. I can't think of a single Roma fan that doesn't that 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 I've spoken to that doesn't agree with that. That Roma were lucky to even be in the game at halftime, but. The, the the referee inconsistency is what we're left talking with, and I think that's a shame. That, that's that's a shame. It's it's it ruins the overall. It leaves a bad taste in one's mouth, and it's annoying, and, and it's unnecessary and easily addressed. That's yeah. So one thing I mentioned in in my post match podcast, from a Roma perspective at least, you can blame the referee. But Carlo, I I know you're sort of on this, just like I am. I. When I was pointing it out early, I caught a lot of stick from Roma supporters saying I'm the usual negative. <laughs> Carlo, I, I know you back me on this. Regardless of the circumstances, okay, regardless of the refereeing performance uh, of Marco Guida, it's another red mark against Fonseca in a big match. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Roma as dominated by, by any of the big teams, even throughout this bad run against them, than they were in the, in the first half. Certainly the first half now. I mean, Zlatan missed three absolute sitters really for him by his standards in the in the in the first and they were cutting through I mean I know Roma's defense was makeshift and you know they had Fazio who can't run they had Cristante again playing in in, in the defense you know so okay that that wasn't easy but I, I guess the other the other way you could look at it is that that Milan were on a really really bad run of form you know four games without a win before the match uh, I think four losses and four losses and two draws in their last eight you know Going on, you know, in a, in a crisis, I guess you could say, uh, and and you know, Milan had a few players. Okay, they're getting their players back, but they had a few players that are not hundred percent, like Chalanoglu, for example. Uh, Zlatan definitely isn't right back on his full fitness either, and he went. You know, both of them went off injured. Um, you know, you'd have thought this was the opportunity for for Roma to finally, you know, win <laughs> against one of the big teams, and it was probably their worst performance. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, it is an indictment. It is clearly an issue. It is clearly clearly a problem I don't because think yeah, just sorry, a bit because yeah, it is clearly an issue because yes, I think you know you both know everybody knows my opinion that I don't see Roma as a team that are, are a top four team, so I don't expect them to be in the top four. But you would expect that after a while they would at least win one or two of these games against the big teams. Uh, so that is clearly a, there is clearly a problem there with Fonseca. There, to me, this is. There, you know, he. I think he even addressed it himself afterwards, um, saying that we can't hide it. We have we struggle against the top teams, and it's like, well, good. Now at least you're talking about it. Um, and it's it's again the to the way I see it is it's clearly down to how Fonseca plays. He can overpower and outmuscle the 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 weaker teams, the mid the mid table teams, the weaker teams. Um, I, because of the, their their lower quality and the coaches there not being as good, but when he's up against a good coach with a good quality team, he suffers and he struggles, and every all the problems that are there become ruthlessly exposed. This isn't, you know, this isn't. Um, it's it's not it's not just random. You know, th this is a trend, and it's been going on since he's been there, and I think it's going. That's this is what's going to cost Roma a top four place. Because that's a lot of points dropped where you can't even get a draw. I think it's Inter and Milan are the only ones he's, he's been able to draw this season. And, and, Juve. and, Juve. and Juve, yeah. But that is this is this is an indictment on him, and this is this is not working. And if Roma want to take that next step, they need a coach who is better equipped to handling these situations. Because sure, you you know when I when I've said that you know win against. Juve and a win against Genoa are worth just the same in terms of points. Well, that kind of cuts both ways because you can't build a season thinking that you're you you you're you're barely, you're barely going to get three points out of twenty out of eighteen 
when or or 24 when you play the top four teams you get nothing from those games that's that's not that's not reasonable and that's not how that's not worthy of roma and that's not how where roma should be and i and i look at that squad and i you see i i disagree with carlo i think roma have a very good squad um overall that should be fighting for a top 4 and 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 should and, and should be delivering better results against the big teams um and and they're not doing it and it's that has to land at on Fonseca's table there's no other way to to describe it i think yeah i completely agree now i think there's a trend with roma in these big matches um if you just look especially at the expected goals i mean yesterday at the break i think milan's expected goals were like 2.7 at half time within the first half an hour they were over 2 I mean, from a defensive point of view, they were absolutely ravaged. Yes, it was makeshift. Yes, they didn't. They didn't have Kumbula. Well, they they had Kumbula, but he was never going to play. He had just returned from injury. No Smalling. No Ibanez. So three of their uh, four top defenders were out. Um, but still, there there is a trend here where they either get gashed because they're playing too open, or they have individual mistakes. If you look at their XG, for instance, they lost to Juve. What was the, the loss to Juve? 2-0 to a couple of a few weeks ago, and then the loss to Lazio was 3-0. to If you look at the expected goals in both of those matches, um, Roma held both of their opponents, both Lazio and Juve, to under one in the expected goals department. That just goes to show you that they're conceding because of stupid individual mistakes. Before we move on to Milan, I have never seen a club get the goalkeeping position so wrong in my life. Listen, I, I am getting close to nearly three decades of watching this club. And I, this is going to be my, my small little rant here. Of those 30 years, Roma have had a top-level goalkeeper for what? Uh, Szczesny. We had a full year, and then we had about three months in his first season because the, the previous six were disastrous from him. And then we had the, the one full season of Alisson. Uh, remove those uh, two and a, I don't know two and a quarter years, and Roma have shit goalkeeper after shit goalkeeper. I would say Michael Consul was the only other one other than those two, and he was about he was about eighty. When yeah, I was it. about to say, <laughs> does it really count if it's a senior citizen? But anyway, uh, Paulo Lopez, man, that was a nice. How many gifts did he deliver to Milan? We're we're going to start calling him Bobo Natale because. <laughs> The, 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 the backheel goal to Zlatan would have been the biggest yeah. meme of my life, of a goal I, I, I ever would have seen. Paul Lopez was brought to Roma, when you include bonus, almost 30 million euros. For a club like Roma, that's huge to pay for a goalkeeper. And the, the one quality that everybody talked about with him coming was he is phenomenal with the ball at his feet. I mean, he gifted that second goal, that pass. I don't know what in the world he is thinking. Everybody, I saw everybody telling me when I was complaining about Paul Lopez, they were saying, well, look at the number of saves he made. Oh, I, I hate so... to break it to you, but listen, <laughs> uh, the goalkeeper position is, it is more yeah. important not to be a complete and utter knob than it is to make a, a beautiful snapshot save. I, it just, it drives me nuts. Roma have no goalkeeper. I, I want Monchi tried for war crimes. That's where I want to end it. <laughs> anyway, on the other side of this though, Milan, regardless of how you slice and dice this, the controversy, the refereeing, whatever, at the end of the day, it, it, and I said this in the post-match pot, if I'm a Milan supporter, I am absolutely thrilled. And, and I'm most of all thrilled for a couple of reasons. First of all, Tamori, welcome to the starting formation. Romagnoli, um, don't, don't pick up too many splinters because you're going to be on the bench and you deserve to be because you have been terrible. You've been terrible all season. I'm going to make a prediction here. I think Romagnoli is going to leave in the summer. Well, as he I'll should. Tell I'll, I'll tell you go. why. Let him go. His, con his contract expires next year. And for me, uh, assuming Tamori joins, which you'd think based on how good he's been since, since he's come on loan, that Milan will definitely make that, uh, you know, make that permanent. Then, you know, do you give do you give Romagnoli a, a new contract on no the way, way that he's been playing no with way. big with a big salary? You know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I've, I mean, we've we've had this discussion already about him, so we don't need to do it again. But but you know, I I I'm going to make a prediction. I think I can see him going to Lazio. He supports Lazio. Lazio need need a defender. They're probably more of his level, that kind of standard team. You're more of a Europa League standard standard team uh so i would i would uh, 
I think that would be a good move for both parties. I think it would be the ideal move for all parties uh, if, if Romagnoli left uh, in Milan because he's not captain material. I've said this a hundred times and, and I keep saying it. That he's not good enough. I don't see it there. And through, this is the rem. He's a, he's a remnant of the banter era, and he has no business being at that club. This is Bertolacci. This is you know he's not good enough to be at Milan. It's as simple as that. And I and I and I have always thought this. He's too slow. He his positioning has never be, that supposedly his strength is simply not good enough. Um, and he and he he needs to have other b- b- quick players around him to make up for it, and that's not working at 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 Milan who plays with a back four because he's slow, uh, and 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 Tomori's fast, and I mean I, I don't want to go to you know to fanboy here and say oh Tomori's the second coming of Paolo Maldini here, but no, what he does, what he possesses, is a certain set of set of skill sets that are really adapted and suitable to the Serie A. And if he can combine that and add, and, and add to those skill sets that he naturally already has, with an awareness and read of the game, we're talking about we're talking about possibly one of the best central defenders in the world here. If he can combine those two, because in the Serie A, the tactical awareness that you learn, and if you're able to to process that and you have the intelligence to understand and express that on the pitch, you're a world class defender. And and I think Milan, you know, Maldini kind of touched on it yesterday that, you know, we have an option on him. It's a lot of money. We'll see what we do. But it's clear that they want to keep this guy. It's clear that they like what they see at Milanello. They like what he does on the pitch. He also you allows know. them to push push up to the halfway line and do that press, which Pioli actually wants to do. Yeah, exactly. Know, which you can't do with Romagnoli, can yeah, you? Because he's so slow. He, he, he lit, And then I think that definitely helped against Roma. Because Roma Absolutely. actually, Roma are very good, aren't they, John, at making those kind of, those quick transitions. Uh, yeah, behind and with Tamori, I mean, with Tamori made a number of recoveries where okay, occasionally he is out of position because he takes gambles. He's actually very good at making interceptions, but he takes risks to try and win the ball. And sometimes, you know, if he gets caught out, but he's got the pace to recover. He did that, you know, he did that yesterday. He made one amazing goal saving challenge on Pellegrini. Um, so, so yeah, I, I really like the look of him. He's he's been he's been great so far. And I think Tonali, uh, when you say in the same situation, Tonali did the, saved the the rebound there as well, and. And I think both of them look better in, in, in a formation where there is a cohesive, you know, they, they are young players who, especially Tonali, who's, this is his second, third season playing professional football, first team football, and he'll need time to, to make mistakes and learn from that. And when he's playing in a team where they can press that high up, and more intensely, he comes more to his rights, and he can express himself better. I thought he was phenomenal yesterday, um, and and I was really impressed. And I and I keep saying this that I still think that I want to see a four three one two or a four three two one with him, Benasser, and Kessi together. I think that is one of those, you know, the Christmas tree formation that Milan fans have very fond memories of. I think th- that's where you get the best out of this team. Um, and 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 Tonali and and, and Tomori are are the are, are, are what you want to build around because it it allows Milan to be quicker, it allows them to be more more compact, but also more cohesive in their press. And it was really impressive. Well, let's go to the rivals then. Uh, Nima, you have to be thrilled with how Inter played, resounding. Now, maybe it took a little longer than most would have hoped <laughs> to get that to get that second goal. Um, also, props to the Genoa. Uh, social media manager who <laughs> I, I thought you I thought that was you for a couple of moments they got very they got very excited uh with well with Inter Inter's... completely do- let's be honest I understand I mean I I, I I can understand why people were were offended uh, or were found that whole offended. thing a bit it was weird. just very weird yeah it was even weird because even by Italian standards that was very weird yeah <laughs> but Inter were that dominant uh Genoa have been very good and Inter mopped the floor with them um, and it was they were lucky to just be one nil, uh, one nil down because Inter did everything right except the finishing. This is the weird part. Inter scored the most goals in the Serie A with sixty, and we're still left here with a with a sense of they haven't scored enough because they keep missing. They create so many chances, but they keep missing them. Um, and 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 as long as you do that, the the, the team is you know your opponent is still in the game, but they were they were great. But having said that, look, four points is nothing. That game, you know, for me, every you know, everyone was hyping up. Oh, can can Milan, you know, do it against Roma? 
I'm not. That, that's not the game. That's the trap game for Milan. For me, that it's the Udinese game that's coming up. That's a game that where Udinese we know that they can bore and frustrate the crap out of anyone, and they in Milan will go to that game without Chalanoglu and Ibrahimovic, and most likely Rebic too, as Stefano uh, as confirmed right now by Milan that that Ibrahimovic is going to miss at least two weeks. At least two weeks. They're gonna. He has a. There's a lesion, there's a tear to one of his to, to his groin, I think, where they're, you know, a small tear or a lesion that they're going to look into in 10 days' time. Um, uh, with Chalanoglu, it's, uh, what was, I think it was called, uh, I don't know <clears throat> the, the, the medical term in English, but it's basically like edema, you can say, where water has, has gathered in his muscles. It's, it's, it's you know, these, these players are out uh, for, for a while and they're going to have to face a Udinese next week that frustrates them whilst Inter play Parma next week a Parma who for two games in a row now have scored have gone 2-0 up and then completely fallen apart to 2-2 and this is where they're going to get relegated I'm, I'm, I'm ready to call it now I think Parma are getting relegated um, and 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 I think it's uh, it's it's sad because I, I didn't I don't want them to get relegated and I don't think they should be relegated but if you can't win against Spezia and you can't win against you know, Crotone, when you're 2-0 up and you drop these to 2-2, you have no business in the Serie A. Um, I do think that they will cause Inter troubles, but I expect Inter to be able to overcome that given the form they're in. But here's another caveat. We know that Conte's teams are only good when he has a week to prepare for them. This is Parma on Thursday and then Atalanta next Monday. So, you know... Yeah, if they're going to drop points, it's going to be... It's going to be now yeah. <laughs> I think, and, 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 and that's what that's what I'm saying but that's why I kept saying that after the Atalanta game if Inter are a minimum of seven points ahead of whoever's in second then I'm comfortable in saying that Inter are going to win the Scoretto you see I don't think they I don't, that's why I'm not comfortable saying that yet because Parma and Atalanta within three ga- three days of each other three four days of each other that's usually when Conte struggles and when you think that Lukaku, Bastoni, Brozovic, and Barella all are one yellow card away from a from a suspension, and with Milan turning the tide the way they did against Roma, if Milan win against Udinese, they're one point behind Inter, who go to Parma, and then go to to uh, Atalanta when when Milan go to to Fiorentina. So this thing is far from over. I'm not, you know, sure me Inter are the fate. You know, you can say Inter are in the best position today. But this thing is far from over, and you got to remember, you still have, you still have a Juventus who are not. Ah, that was a good segue. I was going to interrupt you, Carlo. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. So tell us why Juve Scudetto hopes are done over. Just watch them. That's all you need to do is watch them. Okay, before before we take like this deep dive on Juve, where are you at with Pirlo? Because this is. Listen, I I think you can, again, have a nuanced discussion about this. It's not exactly controversial to say Juve are lacking quality in certain roles. I I think striker, midfield, come to mind immediately. But also that Pirlo has been oof. It's almost as if he took that that managerial dissertation, uh, threw it in the bin, added some petrol, and threw in a match because that's not the way he has them playing. Yeah, well, you know, th- as I always say, theory is one thing, but until you actually put the theory into practice, you know, that's what decides whether it's going to work or not. And you know, with with, uh, with Pirlo, I was on the, I was giving him time for a long time. You know, even though it wasn't working, I was like, well, let's wait, let's wait and see, because you know, we see what he's trying to do. But the Porto match was the was the match where it it really hit home, I think, to everyone that this is a disaster. This is a complete disaster because that Porto game was an embarrassment, a, 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 an absolute embarrassment to watch that Porto game. Uh, and, you know, the same with Verona. It's the same old story every single game. Juventus don't create chances. There's no creativity. The midfield is just a complete, it's just complete shambles, that midfield. I, I, I you know, I, I wrote a feature yesterday, um, which got quite a big, quite a big buzz. Uh, and pretty much every Juventus fan agreed, pretty much. Uh, the, the the midfield is a Europa League standard midfield. There's no, oh. I won't, I won't have anyone else argue any other way. It's, it's a Europa League standard midfield. Benton Kerr, Rabiot, McKenny as your playmaker, as your number ten. I mean, that's just. I mean, this is Juventus we're talking about. You know, this is Juventus. These players are not Juventus. Juventus standard players. Um, they're squad players at the very, very most. You know, they're the sixth choice midfielder at the very, very most. These players. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, they're ten. What? Why is the Scudetto over? Well, they're ten points behind. Uh, and they're, ten po- they're ten points behind. They've got uh, you know a big, a much much bigger schedule. Although they'll probably go out of Europe, so that that won't matter. Um, but I think it's more from Inter point. It's more, more from the Inter point of view. Uh, Antonio Conte doesn't give away leads, ten point leads. You know, so I, I don't. I don't see. You know, I'm not going to say it's definitely over, but uh, I think it. You, you will need a collapse from Inter for, for it to happen. And even if they do collapse, Juventus just are not going to blow enough teams away to to make to guarantee that they're going to go on a winning run because we've seen it all season. You know, the, the metrics, the underlying metrics, which is what all the bookmakers accurately predict who's going to win the title every year, and that's why they have Inter as such red hot favourites. It's because the metrics show us that Inter are creating millions of chances every game, and uh, whereas Juventus just aren't creating chances. I've said it so many times. They're, the, they're sixth in Serie A for chances created for, for shots on goal, and that plays out on the table. That's that's known. That's that's you know that's the metrics play out over the course of the season. Generally, that's how it is. You get the odd freak season now and again where it doesn't, but generally, you are. That's the position you're in. So. Um, you know, an injury situation is horrific as well. I mean, if, I, if there's only one thing I can say in, in Pirlo's favour is that, you know, Juventus went into that game against Verona with seven first-choice players out. Exactly. Uh, so that doesn't help. That doesn't help either. Um, but also, that's a damning indictment on the management. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, a lot of people disagreed with me when I said in January that it was, it was just complete incompetence not signing a forward uh, in January. And we're seeing that. Well, now why? Because, you know, Dybala's got a chronic injury. We don't know when he's going to be back. Morata's been out of form and now he's he's injured as well. And we don't know if he's even going to be back for the Porto game either. Um, you've got um, Kulosevsky playing as a centre forward. He can't play as a centre forward. He can't play with his back to goal. You know, you've, so he's the one. And we've got a 36-year-old Ronaldo who's been in overplay. They've got two forwards. Well, one forward plus someone, a winger playing out of position. You know, so it's just not going to happen. So... Yeah, Juventus. Juventus need to be more looking over their shoulders and making sure they get in the top four oh, than they do. Come on, well, no, they do. I've been very unimpressed with Paratici's work for since he since Marotta went. Uh, but I thought he did a better job last summer. I thought that he he bought he he, he made some good signings. But then, but he made you know he he st- the, the one big mistake he he made was he didn't sort out that that central midfield, and and also obviously they you know whether it was his choice or. Or Agnelli's choice. They've hired a rookie coach who, who, which was always a big gamble, and that hasn't worked out. And obviously, January he failed to sign a forward. They needed a forward in January. Now they're paying the price for that. The way I look at it is this: Juventus will. Um, you've all all the things you said are I agree with to a certain extent. I do not agree that this is the Europa League midfield. I think that is a gross overreaction. Artur Melo is imperative to this system, and when he isn't there. That that's when it falls apart because Bentancur can't be that regista. He he just can't. He, you know, it just doesn't work. Artur Melo, Bentancur, and McKenny is the midfield that Pirlo wants, and that's when that's when Juventus really clicked and looked really good. That you can blame the management for not having a backup to Artur Melo, someone who can who can interpret that role. That's that that that's a different debate. But to tell me that this midfield with world champions and you know. It, Come on, it's not. Well, a answer, well, answer me this question, Nima. Right? If we go through just the Serie A midfields, so we're not even talking about the top elite Champions League midfields, which obviously Juventus nowhere near their midfields, nowhere near the level. But if we're looking just at Serie A, who has a better central midfield, Inter or Juventus? Well, you shouldn't even. I mean, you shouldn't even have to think about that. Surely. No, but look, the, who it, has a better midfield, central midfield, Milan or Milan or Juventus? I'll just go through all of them: Milan well, or Juventus, Inter or Juventus, Lazio. I think. I think on paper, if we're if we're looking like how they actually work together, I think Lazio is probably you know the 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 three of them together are probably one of the best, if not the best, the way Luis Alberto Milinkovic Savic and Lucas Leiva have worked together in midfield and in how well they're playing, you know, how used to they're playing together. I think that's the key issue here that this midfield has. Has not been playing together for more than a couple of months, or the coach has not been a coach for more than a couple of months, and the most important player in that midfield is Artur Melo, and he's injured. That's the issue here. Um, player for player, I don't think there is that much difference between all of those. Well, even Artur Melo, well, even Artur Melo, who was playing excellently, but he played excellently for three games before he got injured. Before that, he was very poor as well. Then he suddenly came into form. For a few games, I agree. He's probably the mo- the best of the. He is the best of the lot, and he's the he's the only one out of them who I think has the potential to be 
to be a real Juventus midfielder, a real Juventus uh, the, of the quality required to be a Juventus midfielder is Artemelo. The rest are squad players at the very, very most. No, I, I disagree. No doubt it's... about that. No, I, I mean, disagree. Compare, compare that to the midfield they had with Bidal and Pogba and Pirlo uh, and Marquisio. I mean, these guys... These guys not but they even were different age. Yeah, but that, that, that at this age, at this stage in their career, when Arturo when Arturo Vidal was twenty two, I think he was barely play, getting into the team at Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, it's like you you got to look at the, their age as well. This is a young midfield that with a coach that's very young and hasn't coached before. It needs a bit of time. This we don't like this this overreaction that the Europa League and like come on. I mean, it's... Juventus know that, which is why they're trying to sign Pogba and 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 Locatelli. They're their two main targets. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be signing them if they thought the current midfield was good. Was good well, enough, or was well, ever going to be good enough. I well, mean, the, that's... the reason why they want those players is because at Juventus, who play who compete on four fronts, you need to have more than back. You need more. You need more quality backup players. Juventus don't have that. That's well, they do. Like... They have the numbers in midfield. They have a lot. They have like six midfield, six central midfielders for three yeah. positions. But they They've don't have. Gun. But they don't have the role. They they don't have a proper backup to Artur Melo. They don't. They simply don't. Weston McKennie is not a regista. Bentancur is not a regista. Artur Melo is the only regista in that squad. There is no other regista in that squad. Manuel Locatelli would would be the backup to. They would they would they would circulate between those two, um, and that's why they're going after Locatelli, and that's why they're going to get him, because they they need to have to you know those two together. They're young and they they will they will be able to to sort this out. But looking look, I don't agree that this is that that this is you know that it's that fire and brimstoney that you paint it out to be. I think a lot of it is also down to down to situations um, and and just the situation that you find themselves in with injuries um, and 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 players out of form. And I agree with you that not signing a striker in January was a massive mistake. But I, look, I differentiate between the quality of the midfield and the squad and what's to blame on the on the management. I think it's absolutely a mistake to bring in Kulusevski and then use him in this role as a seconda punta, which he's not, and and get him to kind of start second doubting what he's good at. And then you have Morata, who was good, but he's out of form. And then you have nothing. You have Cristiano Ronaldo, who's at, where 36, has to play every single game and save Juve because of the situation. That's bad management. I agree with that. But I don't agree that this midfield is 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 dead, overburied, and, and it's Europa League at, at best and all that. But if I'm Ronaldo, this is exactly what I wrote yesterday, and it's I was tweeting about it. I, I If I'm Ronaldo, I'm looking at that midfield and I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing here <laughs> at, at this stage of my career? Because, because you know, I'm, he's 36 years old. His record is absolutely astonishing. He's 19 mm. goals this season. Uh, Juventus are so reliant on him. I think 22 of their 45 goals in Serie A this season has been a Ronaldo goal contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also tweeted, I mean, Chiesa and Ronaldo are pretty much between the two of them. Chiesa has been the one big success story for Juventus this season. He's been absolutely fantastic since December. They're, him and Ronaldo, the, the last 21 games, Ronaldo and Chiesa have scored in every match that Juve have scored in, except for two. Um, so they're pretty much, they, they, you know, Chiesa got the assist for Ronaldo against Verona. They're pretty much. If it wasn't for those two, I, I don't think where Juventus, where even you would be agreeing with me, Nima. If it wasn't for the, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for these two, because they really are doing everything for Juventus. But, Chiesa but, is fantastic. You know where I stand on that. Oh, I, yeah, amazing, I mean, amazing, I, and it's great I, for I, Italy. I, yeah, I, I don't understand. The thing is, I'm not surprised, and I and I and I and I laugh when people act all. Woo, who knew Pedro Federico Chiesa was good? Anyone who's watched him with a clear and open mind and objective mind has known that Federico Chiesa is a fantastic player, that he has tools in his toolbox that not many players of his age do, his ability to go one-on-one, he's good with both feet, his crossing, his read of the game, he's fast. He has everything that you can ask of a modern winger. And he's had it since he was 17. Every, everyone knows my opinion on Ronaldo, right? If mm. But let me ask you two, as non-Juventini, like, if you're Ronaldo, you've got one year left on your contract, coming this summer what do you do do you, you want go, to stay do you want to stay at Juventus with this team or do you want do you want to go to a team that can actually challenge for the Champions League you leave for PSG where you join forces with Neymar and Mbappe and you win the Champions League and before you go to America and make your final cash in the MLS that's what you do I think the best thing for Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo would be to part ways this summer because with the pandemic and the lack of revenue Juve can't afford to have him PSG are essentially a state-backed team. 
the it doesn't bother them. They have a they have an entire country backing them up. So if you, I, I think it's time for it's time for everyone. This this has been good for Juve. This has been good for Ronaldo, but they need to they need to end this relationship here because it frees up capital for Juve to do exactly what you just said. Locatelli is the most important thing. I'm not too high on Pogba, but Locatelli and a proper striker, two proper strikers. You know, whether it's Morata or, or whoever comes up to partner Morata, whatever you need, you need to bring in at least two strikers and Locatelli. That's what Juve need to do. The defense is solid. It's one of the best in the world. And Juventus just made a loss of 131 million, and they've got Ronaldo, who's earning 31 million net. net. So that 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 becomes well, maybe probably I would imagine so it wouldn't be. It'll be just less than double growth. Uh, you know, after yeah. the taxes, so probably 55 million, I think, a year. They, they will save if Ronaldo goes and people can talk about you know the sponsorships and the commercial deals but you know that all goes out the window obviously partly because of COVID, COVID yeah. but also because because you know it's still really not helping Juventus close the gap as I wrote in my feature close the gap on the on the they're the 10th richest club in Europe Juventus and they're miles behind the Premier League. I mean the, the Premier League are now in just a completely another league um which is is kind of like what do you do what do you do if you're the Serie A teams now how the hell do you do you bridge that gap with the with the Premier League teams? But for Juventus, they, they can't rebuild the team like they need to with Ronaldo. And that's cool. the problem. That's why this project has been so flawed since they signed Ronaldo is because they basically put all their eggs in the Ronaldo basket and didn't have the money available to make that midfield the str- strong, you know, at the strength that, that was required, that they had to get rid of top players like Cancelo and, and others, even Spinazzola, just to just to balance the books. To, to you know for the capital gains at the end of the end of the the, the the financial year you know so that's where the Ronaldo signing hasn't been good for Juventus there's no doubt Ronaldo's been a phenomenon at Juventus but the project was flawed I I, st- I still think that the, the, the it was a good idea from like it's been a win-win situation for everybody and and Ronaldo he's got his eye on winning the Capocannoniere and the Coppa Italia to become the first player who's won everything in Spain Italy and uh, and England on on as a team in it uh, you know uh, the top titles as a team in, in a team and also as as on an individual level i think that's what he's going for and i and and i still think that Juve are in the race i just don't think they're going to win it but i still still think they're in the title race and i think this thing is going to the wire it's going to be much more tighter than people expect it to be uh, it's a three horse race still very much um, and uh, Juve aren't out of it they're, they 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 will come back and <laughs> look I have watched and listened to Juve been ripped apart for the better part of the last 25 years. And they have how many Champions League finals and how many Serie A titles to their name during that time? Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, this is when they struggle usually. The, the, I think it was one or two seasons with Allegri when they were just flying from August to May in the league. This is when they usually struggle. and But at the end of the day, they stand there in May with a championship medal and everyone wonders how the hell happened and they start blaming the referees and all that. No, you know, it's it's, it's not that. It, 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 this isn't the dark ages of the 90s, all right? This is something else. And they, they, there's a reason they keep winning. It's because they win ugly. The other teams don't know how to win ugly. Juve know how to win ugly. And they don't win it all right now. <laughs> well, exactly. Now, now they, they have... Well, well, also because they're They fans. draw ugly and lose ugly. Well, well, no. that's, well yeah, but because they you're, they have fans like you who have lose their shit completely and go full-on drama queen and fire and brimstone when they don't win two games in a row. Like, that, that's the mentality at Juve. And that's a good thing for Juve. Well, and hang that's on. Why they're... keep winning. We got to move on because they're not the yeah. only ones struggling. <laughs> Carlo, do, we, how, how much just stick, there how, do I have to listen to any more of this? <laughs> Carlo and I were messaging about this. How much stick do we give Nima for saying that Lazio maybe could shock Bayern? <laughs> yes. And then not only do they follow that wonderful performance yeah. uh, up I'll, with a terrible league performance, <laughs> we're not even mentioning what's going on with their COVID testing stuff that has come up yeah, once again. Yeah, but the again. COVID testing stuff isn't Simone Inzaghi's fault. That's, no, that's no, 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 no. I'm just saying it's added to the clown show and the circus. Mm. But I mean, the Bayern game, look, look at the Bayern game. Look at the Bayern game. That game was over not on, I mean, I think Paolo Condor, the Italian journalist in the sky said it best. He said, these mistakes, you know, individual errors in football are made via when when a team either presses and creates that the, the situation for an individual mistake to occur or it's or or they don't and the team you make an unforced error yourself lazio against bayern was all unforced error errors themselves what musacchio did 
he basically cost them the game without within the first 15 minutes but when unattacked unpressed just gave the way to, gave it away to Bayern and Bayern are better than Lazio if Lazio are able to, are, are to be able to threaten Bayern Munich they need to have a perfect game then Musacchio can't do what he did I don't even they know what he like did a perfect game though that was a yeah. depleted Bayern side yeah and Patrick what the hell was that I mean, Patrick, why is he still starting for this team? It, it triggers me. I'm not a Lazio fan. But Just the, his name triggers me. His name. The Patrick I mean, Johnny his name show. is Patrick. Have you, I mean, how can a footballer named Patrick be any good? No, honestly. honestly. I mean, I know that's... But he's just, got that, he's just got that name where you know, without even watching him play, he's going to be... I'm going to say... Oh, I'm just going to swear there, but he's going to be crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Musacchio and Patrick is just they oh, are Musacchio the they, and, was, and it's that, that unforced errors. Bad. That was criminally bad. I mean, the, the yeah. game was over. Patrick against that. Bologna as well. He made, he yeah, made a big mistake against Bologna. Yeah, Patrick again. for one of the goals. I mean, I'm not a Lazio. I'm not a Lazio fan, but now he's not there anymore but the Patrick and Johnny show triggered me to no end because these these are Serie B players they have no business in being at a Serie, Serie A side that plays in the Champions League I mean what Patrick did for that third goal against right. Bayern I, I lost hair literally lost hair by watching that it, it was this I was watching it with three different commentaries they were laughing there was the, the Swedish guy was giggling the the, the Italian guys were stunned the, the English guy was 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 trying to hold his laughter. It was comedy. It was complete embarrassment. It's shambolic. And I and I think and I and I go back to 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 Lazio's shambolic. You know, again, there is nuance here. Lotito has worked miracles since taking over from Cragnotti and what he's done to this club with no money. Absolutely, but but in a COVID economy, you spend twenty million euros on Murici when you need a defender. Is is it's just what is wrong with you? When, when you send Simone Inzaghi into the Champions League with Patrick and Musacchio, Musacchio coming in, in, in January, it's embarrassing. Uh, Patrick triggers me. I mean, and, and he wears his, his socks rolled down as well. I mean, that's another thing. Like, there's, there's a few things you don't do unless you're good at football. That is wear colored boots. Yeah. Wear your, is wear, the only wear your socks down or chew gum. You don't do any of those three things unless you're good. And he, and, and he does one of them. Yeah. And Fran- <laughs> Francesco Totti got away with that because he was Francesco Totti. You know that he can. Rui Costa. Rui Costa used to do it as well. Yeah, he can do that. That's Rui Costa. Manuel Rui Costa and Francesco Totti can wear their their socks rolled down. They can chew gum. They can walk. I don't care. Pirlo walked for twenty years. Doesn't matter. He was Andrea Pirlo. But Patrick, <laughs> no, mate, <laughs> no, oh, no. no. Uh, but just but on a serious note, I would say about Lazio. Yeah, you in the Champions League, uh, you cannot you cannot win in the Champions League with with. A defense that bad, and and also I think lack of experience definitely definitely uh, went against Lazio. You could see right from the first kickoff, Bayern did a did a long ball forward, and Lazio just nervously they put it straight out for a corner under no pressure at all. You, from that moment, I knew Lazio had lost the game straight away. You could tell the nerves got to them. They they just didn't have the experience uh, uh, and the ability to handle the occasion, and and we saw that. That's why they gave away three goals. Uh, and I thought Immobile disappointed me as well Agreed. because. Because, um, you know, we've criticised him in the past for not doing it when it really matters on the biggest stage. Uh, and this season, I thought he'd started to move away from that. But he ha- he's had a bad week, um, you know, and he didn't, t- I felt he didn't take responsibility against Bayern. He had the chances to shoot and he tried to give the responsibility to someone else. Uh, and obviously then he missed a penalty against Bologna as well. So it's been a bad week for, for, for Immobile. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Elsewhere, well, another bad week. Uh Nima, we'll we'll give you a stick for this on another day. Fiorentina <laughs> lose again. They lose to Udinese, one to zero. Napoli defeat Benevento. Uh, if you ever, uh, speaking of indictments, uh, Cagliari get their first win in how many months? Uh, they defeat Crotone two to zero. So all it took was for Eusebio Di Francesco to leave uh, <laughs> the club for them to win. Uh, absolutely amazing. Just when you think you've seen it all, I swear to God, uh, only in Syria do we see this stuff. So. Uh, we have some midweek fi- fixtures, okay? Um, we have Lazio, Torino. We have Juve, Spezia. We have Milan, Udinese, Atalanta, Crotone, Fiorentina, Roma, Parma, Inter, just to name a few of them. But uh, before... Genoa, Sampdoria. Well, hold that's on. That's where I was going. But mm-hmm. I was going to say the big one is, of course, the derby, Genoa, Sampdoria. 
that derby is one of the most beautiful if if it's probably the most beautiful derby in all of italy if you ask me yeah and the stadium um, by the way i, I, I uh, you and i we, we complain about a particular a stadium, stadium that i won't name a um yeah <laughs> if you haven't been to the ferraris i i cannot cannot it enough. I, yeah i i cannot recommend it enough and by the way in terms of just uh, surrounding restaurants and food uh, it doesn't get much better than no. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how Ranieri takes on Ballardini because what Ballardini's done, I mean, if we disregard the fact what happened against Inter where they were just flattened, um, they were overrun, he, he, he creates problems for teams and he did for Inter as well by, by, by a very, he, he annoys teams by, by the way he balances them, but, but balances his defense to kind of throw teams off and 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 you have to be very efficient in the chances you create against Ballardini, or else you will he will do to you what he's done against all teams, so especially Hellas last week, where they had so many chances, and then somehow the game ended two two in the ninety sixth minute. It's not a chance that Ballardini has has. I think he's got like the highest points average uh, of all teams of all coaches in the Serie A since you know if you're counting from when he took over. Um, it's it's and in 2021, I think he's got one of the I think Genoa are top side in terms of points. You know that's not all. You know that's not all. Um, you know chance. Uh, I think here he goes against Ranieri, who is also good at um, closing down and frustrating teams. Yeah, it's 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 gonna it's you know it's gonna be a very interesting battle. And I and, I, and again, if if, if there's, you know we do miss football fans in the stands but if there's ever a game where i oh, miss yeah, fans in the stands this is it the show that these two fan bases put on with their with their beautiful tifos depending on who's got the home you know who's home they get three quarters of the stadium the away fans get just a quarter it's it is absolutely gorgeous um the sound the, the sound they create around the stadium it, it's like it's it's one of the most beautiful it's the most beautiful derby in italy if you ask me yeah and full credit to me on any other day i would completely troll you harder on prandelli because they're they're unwatchable fiorentina all I said was he'd steer the ship into, mm, into, yeah, into right. harbor, and that's all he's doing. They're not in the relegation battle. They're going to finish 12, 13, something like that. That's it. I didn't say he was going to win the win the Scudetto. Well, you didn't <laughs> mention that the ship was the Costa Concordia, where he was essentially <laughs> going to run it into, into the ground. Oh, for goodness sakes. He's not in the relegation battle. He's going to finish 12, 13, 14, something like that. That's, that's what oh, he's well. going to do. He, That's what he's trying to I'm do. I'm sold, Carlo. 12th or 13th, <laughs> I'm sold. Okay, uh, we're, we're, we're moving on. We're moving on. Baggio yeah, yeah. and Ventura of the Week. For those of you who are new here, instead of our Club of the Week, Person of the Week, we decided to name it after somebody everybody loves in Roberto Baggio. And the opposite of that, everybody hates. A particular man who was the former Italian... <laughs> national team manager that goes by the sword name Ventura. So let's get into those now. Okay, Baggio of the week. Who are we taking with this one? Yeah, something a little bit different this week. Riccardo Meggiorini, former Inter striker that I'm sure Nima was a, a big fan of. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he scored probably the goal of the season uh, this this past weekend for Vicenza in, in Serie B. Yeah. Just go on, go on YouTube, type oh. in Riccardo Meggiorini, Vicenza against Pisa. I'm sure John will like this as well. Ah, my uh, Vicenza, the, the, the 15th edition of it. We've had 20 different versions of Vicenza because of <laughs> the, the dozen bankruptcies we've had. But yes, keep but, going. Better than all the all the past versions yeah. of Vicenza Wonder Goals because he, he, he did this crazy bicycle kick, which was kind of like side on. It was like... Uh, for the older people that remember Hugo Sanchez, he mm. once scored a he once scored a bicycle kick like this, left footed, uh, on a on a crazy angle as well. Uh, unbelievable goal! So yeah, shout out to to Mejorini. Oh, we know it's bad when we're going to Vicenza for our highlights of the week. Okay, Nima, maybe maybe you can make up for this in some no, way, shape, no. or form with the Ventura of the week, even though you've already brought him up. 
Yeah, it's Patrick for every single reason I've already mentioned. He shouldn't be in Lazio. He shouldn't even be in Vicenza. He should be doing, he should be playing. Uh, <laughs> he should He should be at, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's good at teaching football. Maybe he should do that, but he shouldn't be playing it. Well, those who can't do teach, so yes, he might so, be onto something. So, yeah, so, so you know, my, maybe he turns out to be a master tactician or something, but whatever he... Better pay back there for John for the, for the abuse. <laughs> That'd be sensational. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's how we roll. He, he, no, but this is, this is getting like it's not even funny anymore uh, it's just it's just what it, what it is no i mean every time he starts you know that he's going to call i mean it's 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 like it's i, I remember when juan jesus who you have at roma now but you don't need to play him we had to play him when we had ranocchia juan jesus and nagatomo on down one end and you had Al pereira and jonathan on the other it was you knew that it, you're you're at least going to concede two three goals simply because of incompetence and stupidity and and that Benny Hill music is every time he goes on the pitch. Forget that, you know Lazio Vola thing. It should be Benny Hill. Every time he goes on the pitch, it should be Blatt. It's it's embarrassing. He is absolutely terrible. All right, let's move on to our question segment. Okay, our first one is for Carlo. I, I'm assuming he's taking this first so he can have his panic attack now and. <laughs> You know, get get the get the mental health issues out of the way up front. <laughs> this is from our patron Fahad Al Qadi. His comment is: It is difficult for Juve to create chances in the absence of Ator. Pirlo keeps pushing for build-up from behind, while he lacks the tools for it to materialize. Don't you agree? Well, I think even with Artur, uh, Juventus struggled to create chances because Artur is not a uh, uh, a chance creator. He's somebody that's brilliant at breaking the first line hmm. of the of the opposition press getting you out from the defense into the midfield and then supplying that ball from from the you know just inside your own half to the final third he's very good at that he's not someone who supplies the final ball um all of Juventus's midfielders including Arta just don't have that creativity in creating that final chance they just none of them have it in their game the stats back that up, you know, look at the, the number of created chances that Juventus have, the number of assists their midfielders have, and, and also just the goal threat in general that they have. I mean, the, the, you, apart from McKenney, uh, who's, who's decent at, at making late runs into the box, you, there's just no goal threat at all from any of the midfielders. Just look at their numbers this season. I don't, has Benton Kerr scored a goal? Has, has Rabiot scored a goal? I'm not sure that either of them have scored this season without looking it up. Rabiot scored... Uh, Arta... Arta can't, none of them can shoot from outside the area. Arta has scored one goal, which was a, a long shot, which was deflected. And that's the only reason it went in. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, they do. Yeah, they, 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 the, midfield, the midfield just lack creativity. So whether that stops Pirlo's team from being able to, to, to you know, to carry out what he wants them to do, I, I don't know. Um, but it, it is clearly a problem, especially against deep line defences, like the Porto one, because Porto, literally looked like they could be there all night without conceding. And eventually the Juventus did manage to get a goal, um, but it wasn't through the centre midfielders. All right, Nima, this next one is for you. It is from our patron, John Ventrilia. And he says, Suning announced at the weekend that they have dissolved Jiangsu FC. How much of a concern is this for Inter? This is not a concern for Inter at all, because it goes to show that what what Suning did on the weekend was sell twenty five percent of their holdings group, like their own, like twenty five percent stocks. They brought in twenty five percent. They brought in an investor to buy around twenty twenty five percent of the company Suning. That was to to address the acute liquidity issue, which is at the heart of all of this. All of this. This this tells me that Suning are in the, are in this for the long run. They're not going to sell Inter at any discounted price. Now they've resolved their their liquidity issues. Um, they can they can they can hold out for another year until they get what they want. They're not going to sell Inter on the cheap. That is for damn sure. Um, so the only the, the the reason why they did that to Yangshu was because there were no buyers. There was there was nothing there to salvage. So they just completely just you know shut up shop. Up. Nice. Yeah, shut up shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're not you know they're they're like all businesses. They're you know they they're not very sentimental about this. Um, and and they just look at what they have and what they have in terms of what's worth something and and, and inter they want a million a billion euros for and they won't settle for anything less and now now they with the sale of the of their you know of, of 25 percent of the company 
they have the liquidity to 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 take care of it, which means that they don't need to loan from Bain Capital or any of these other predatory lenders, like Milan did with Yong Hong, Yong Hong Lee did with the Elliott Fund. So they they've just taken care of it. They, you know, I think that there's talk of that that some of the companies that have come in have backing of the Chinese government. They're they're basically they're going to leave Inter. There's no doubt in my mind now anymore, especially after what what uh, Zhang Jingdong said about returning to basics and what we do. You know, what is our core business, and we're going to focus on that, and that's retail and real estate. That's what they're going to focus on. They're going to sell Inter, but they're not going to do it unless it's on their terms. And one of the ways to reach that point was to get rid of Yangshu. All right, Carlo, for you, it's from Ivan Barone, and he asks, after some more shocking decisions over the last two weeks, are Italian clubs <laughs> deliberately targeted by referees in Europe? This one is gift-wrapped on a platter for you. Hopefully, like Moriki, you do not fluff it, though. <laughs> well, uh, I think most of the listeners will probably have listened to, to, to my podcast on this uh, last week. <laughs> so so I, think, I think the answer is pretty obvious. Uh, I, I've been talking about this for years now. Uh, and so I've been I've been tallying up them as they go. And for me, there's absolutely zero doubt about it. There's no there's, it just I'm not people can call, call me a conspiracy theorist if they want. I don't care. I would rather be a conspiracy theorist than a coincidence theorist, because for, for me, there, there is, there, like shout out to Chris from Wakefield, our patron on pay, on Twitter, who's called you Carlo with a Q, Carlo Anon with a Q. Like, this is a, the, for anybody who it watched The Sopranos. There is it, there is a wonderful line from from Silvio where they're whining about Columbus Day or something because for some reason yeah. I don't know why it's a big holiday in the United States, but apparently it is. And he says it's anti-Italian discrimination. So Carlo is like Silvio. He he thinks yes. there is an anti-Italian sentiment. By, by the way, the, the, the red, that's not even mentioning the red card, right? I mean, the red card was, by the look of it, I thought the red card was criminal. It was... To I, me, how, how in what world is that a red card or a sending well, off? Well, that's the thing. You can... Let me see, I don't, I don't agree with, with this. I think it's a harsh decision. Okay, oh. but it's not the wrong decision because if you look at it, and I was I was right with you until I saw the replay and I saw the stills. You can argue that that's a red, red card. The stills, but, the stills are no use though. The stills yeah. are no use. But either the way, stills, yeah. But either yeah. way, the way the way you look at it again, it's not a clear and obvious error. There is absolutely support for the red card. It's a harsh decision, not necessarily the wrong one. That's what, what's so stupid about VAR that if it's not a clear and obvious error, yeah, they need to remove that. that. that then then you don't change it but the, that's not the point the point should be it you should only be a red card if it's a clear clear and obvious yeah exactly a goal scoring opportunity is a clear goal scoring you opportunity can argue, you can argue you can argue well you can it's argue awesome. that it is well you see that's the thing you can argue it both ways it's a dubio it's a you know it's a mm. palotaggio but what i don't understand is this again with the consistency if you decide to be this anal as a referee and apply the rules by the letter of the law, the way that this guy did, Stila did in that game, then how the hell is Casemiro not sent off for a second exactly. yellow card? Exactly. That is, to me, yeah. that's... And he, took, and he took 0. 0.000, he broke the speed of sound to get his red card out of his pocket <laughs> to, to, send, to send off Gosens, where he literally, gave, discrimination. He, he literally gave Casemiro all the time he wanted to get up and, 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 you know, and then warn him and say, no, 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 don't do it again. You know, he gave him a lecture for, for, for two hours, you know, and then, and then decided not to give him a yellow yeah, card. He looked I mean, very eager to pull that out, I have to, I have to admit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was is. I mean, for me, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's you know, the, the, we saw in the last week we had the Lazio penalty, uh, which was a clear penalty at one. Okay, yes, Bayern probably still what well, they are. They were going to go through, but that's not the point. The point is, it was one nil. It was one all. It could have been. It could have changed the course of the of the game completely. Juventus, yes, Ronaldo, clear penalty. They didn't even look at the VAR. Hey, Liverpool, um, Roma. I oh, know. Even mention that. Arnold going. F uh, he 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 put on his Gigi Buffon mask. And yeah. the most clear yeah. hand handed ball of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. With what twenty five minutes to go, exactly. a penalty, a penalty, and a man up uh, to make it three two, and then you've got twenty five minutes to score another two goals. You know, in a game that Roma were completely on top on. Um, but you know, I went in the podcast. I went through all the incidences in the last up to the last ten years. You know, and I and I and I posed a question on that podcast. I said, you know what? Because the the, the comeback you always get from people is, uh, you know, you can always find penalties in favour and against you, 
Well, I, I, I ask everybody listening, please be my guest and come back to us. And I promise I will tweet it out. We'll, we'll, we'll call you out. We'll do it on the next show. Find me the instances in the last five, 10 years where, where referees have benefited, um, uh, have put, like put an Italian team through in a key Champions League game. I'm talking about key matches. I'm talking about a knockout game mm. when it's do or die. We're not, I'm not talking about a second, a second group game where it doesn't matter. I'm talking mm. about a, a Champions League second round, quarterfinal, semifinal, final, the last group game uh, in, a, in a Champions League group. You know, I'm talking about these matches. And it's overwhelming that the evidence to show that the Italian teams are getting done over time and time again. I don't know the reason. Um, but for me, it's absolutely clear. It's clear cut. And as I said in my podcast, Italian teams are, in, are struggling enough as it is. You know, Italian teams don't have the money anymore to compete with the Premier League teams. Um, you know, it's been, what, 11 years now since since an Italian team won anything in Europe, went into one, uh, the Champions League in 2010. You know, so the last thing that Italian teams need when they're going through this is to have the referees against them as well. And, and he just totally, again, like, like we said at the start with the Roma Milan game, you just think, what's the point of even watching? You know, when when you know that every single game, an Italian team is going to get a massive game-changing, tie-changing decision go against them. What is the point? What's the point of us watching? So, I'm just fed up of it. To be honest with you, I really am. <laughs> the the um, I, I just uh, looked it up. There there was a there was an American Italian Anti Defamation League called <laughs> Political Advocacy Group in 1967 chaired by Frank Sinatra I think Carlo Gaganese just 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 re- <laughs> reformed that look I, I I look seriously speaking I I don't know I'm in like I put it to you this way I will believe any conspiracy theory you want as if you have something conclusive showing that there's an there's something supporting it I I will tell you this and I think I think Paolo Kondo against the matches. So, no, no, the Paolo, matches. no, no. But that, that's not. Yeah. No, you, you, you could say that you can argue that that it, the same thing has happened to to other teams from other clubs. But look, from other countries. Look, what I'm saying is this: it's starting to add up. I think what Paolo Kondo said, said it best. Is look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not saying there's something against Italian teams here. But in the last few weeks alone, there have been clear and obvious errors. Lazio were hammered by Bayern, yes, but they were denied a clear penalty. At 1-0. At 1-0, all right? Juve against Porto, clear foul, clear penalty on, on Ronaldo, not given, not even reviewed. And this is, you know, you can argue that, and, and then the Atalanta game and, and, and everything else. But look, you can argue that, or this is, you know, I don't have the exact stats, but but they were speaking about this on Sky Italia, saying, look, that it seems like UEFA doesn't want to have a v does not want var to intervene in knockout stage games at all unless it's a shocking mistake uh, because i think there's something like only one or two times in the last two years in the knockout stages var has been used you see that 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 annoys me that annoys me very specifically if you have the technology if the rules are there interpret them co- coherently and consistently from group stage to final Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, why are we paying for it? You know, what's the that's that's my that's that's the thing that pisses me off. That grinds my gears to no end. This this notion that it seems to be deliberately internally by UEFA that we do not use the VAR VAR in in knockout games, and to me, that's just that's childish. It, it is curious. Very quickly, Sesta calls me. My favorite Romanista <laughs> is coming back anytime. This guy is present in my life. The days seem to be a bit sunnier. Food tastes a bit better. <laughs> Things just seem to improve. It looks like, it's not official yet, or at least I don't think it is by the time at the time of recording, uh, that he will join Crotone, who are already going down to the city of B. So this, this fits his CV to, to, to a T. I mean, mm. th- this is Sersa Cosmi's CV. If you're already relegated or you have zero to fight for, there is nobody better to have on your bench. Than calls me mm. nima i know you're just as big of a fan as him as i am <laughs> this guy is i just i just, I just he's here i i love it i i don't even care if his team is doomed uh from the start it's just the I fact just, i see him that's all i, I mean need. the the interview we did with jay bothroy when he talks about Cersei calls me about how you know what a character he was in perugia when he was there um it's uh, to me he he is quite the character he looks like a pit bull he's good he likes he likes baseball caps and he's just i don't know i i i think it'll it's going to be fun to see him at the, it's like a it's like a pop culture reference from 20 years ago returning back 
um, to, to relevancy in, in 2021. And it's, it's hilarious. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's going to be fun to see. I, I, I expect, I expect Crotona to be just as bad as they are now. They're very um, bad. They're all which is which is pretty awful, like you just alluded to. I don't expect them to do much other than maybe get a few more red cards because he his is he, he likes aggressive uh, and 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 you know crazy challenges. That's that's you know he wants his teams to be very aggressive. And I I don't know. I I think um, I think we'll. I think well, I think nothing can save Crotone. I don't understand why they sack Stroppa now. What was the point? Um, there, there is no chance. There is no hope. This team isn't good enough. They shouldn't even be in the Serie A. Uh, it's like we've spoken before. We shouldn't have more than eighteen teams in the Serie A, and and these two are, you know, Crotone is one of those teams that should never have come up. Um, so yeah, and and it's a shame because I want I like it when we have teams from the south of Italy. I just wish they were better when they come up. Well, I'm hard-pressed to think of better ways to end a podcast related to Italian football than with conspiracy theory and Cersei calls me discussion. So chat with you in a few days for the review episode. If you would like to become a patron, make sure you go to patreon.com slash TIFP where you can get all of our episodes for $2.99 per month. Again, patreon.com slash TIFP. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will chat later this week. Bye-bye.